Welcome to the show, Paul George, talking all things art of living, right here with Adam Conk. Paul George. <laughs> uh, whose name is uh, better to say, Paul George or Adam Conk? Well, Paul George. I like Adam Conk. It's got people, a nice ring. But you know what I hear a lot? What? Adam Conk. Kank. Conk. Yeah. <laughs> no offense if, you've, if you're listening and you've said Adam Conk to me. Right. It's okay. I love you. I love that you say my name incorrectly. But it's conk, conk, like the shell that you people eat that. Yeah, but Caribbean. most a lot of people don't know what a conk was. I I, I never knew, heard of a conk until I went to the Caribbean. Actually, yeah, and they were like, "Dude, would you like some conk? <laughs> you could eat conk." And I was like, "What's a conk? This this is a conk." And then I met you, and I was like, "That's a conk." <laughs> How are you, Paul? I'm good, man. Good to be with you. Uh, it's been a crazy week, and just to lighten some things up, you know, we were talking about this. We have a little have you seen. What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real, though? Yeah, I, I actually asked you this question. Have you seen this? And you said no, so I thought I'd bring it up. Well, then you brought it up, and I was like, oh, yeah, I have seen it, but I didn't know it was a thing. So the cheese challenge. <laughs> you, you never know what America is about to get into. Right. But... Uh, the, the challenge is you take a piece of cheese. Like a slice. Like a slice of cheese, and you throw it at your child. The younger, the better. <laughs> right in the face. <laughs> well, this makes sense because my, my daughter sent, sent a video on a group text we have as a family, and the video was uh, there a piece of cheese in the DVD player. Like She pressed it, and the DVD slid out, and there's a slice of cheese. I was like, what is she doing? <laughs> and then she takes the cheese and flings it into our baby's face. <laughs> So now you know why she did that. And I, I had no idea other than, oh, that's kind of funny. And the baby <laughs> just kind of looked at her like, what are you doing? And uh, now I know it's a, it's like a thing. Yeah, and I thought when I heard about it, I was like, oh, like you, instead of saying cheese, you throw cheese? Like, nope, that's not it. You literally fling it. Fling for it. no reason at all. You no just, reason at all. And some of the videos are four-month-old, three-month-old. I mean, some are like grown adults, right? But I got to admit, it is much better to watch cheese hit a four-month-old than a 40-year-old. Well, I would love right to throw face. cheese in your face. That would be fun. But if I, if I were to throw cheese in your face, mm -hmm. what kind of cheese would you want? That you could be like, oh, yeah, that was worth it because I'll just eat it. Well, anything that's not stinky. So like, you know, cheddar or a gouda. Right. You know, or yeah. a, um, maybe a smoked brie. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> I would go with pepper jack. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. A little spice in the a little, face. A little kick in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of spice, man, uh, I uh, just got back from uh, the Big Easy, uh, the big city of New Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah. So I did a three-day Lenten mission there, and uh, it was cool. I, I got uh, got to go down there. But anyway, uh, what I didn't know, a lot... Most places when I go, I mean, I've been to New Orleans because I live in Louisiana. It's a couple-hour drive, so it was nice not to have to yeah. fly cross-country. Uh, but when I go places, I don't know a whole lot of details. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I go, do what they ask, and it's great. You just kind of integrate into the community. And ended up um, going to St. Charles Borromeo Parish uh, in Destrehan, right outside of New Orleans. And... But more of a kind of a country town. But anyway, this uh, parish, it's the second oldest church in the archdiocese huh. behind St. Louis Cathedral, which is the famous cathedral downtown. Mm -hmm. And 
This is like built in like sometime in the 1700s, dude. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful, you know, quaint parish, uh, right on the river of the Mississippi. Um, yeah, it was neat. Oh, at St. Charles Bomeo yeah. is on the river? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, right on the river. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was beautiful and a really cool community of, of people. And uh, it was actually interesting because it, it was uh, one of the, I don't, I don't know, it was one of the most missions that you do, like parish missions, three mm-hmm. days or whatever, mm-hmm. and the talks at night and people come. And, you know, people can't make three days. It's a lot of big commitment. And usually most missions um, that I've gone to or even that I've done, um, you kind of see a decline in attendance. People mm-hmm. come the first night, few more the second night, and less the third because people just can't make yeah. the, you know, the whole thing. And this is one of the few missions I've ever seen that actually grew each night. That's interesting because our mission at, at the Cathedral Parish where, where I'm at, we had the same experience. The, the attendance grew, and then I reached out to someone else, and they had a similar experience. Really? Yeah. So, I, you know, you never can predict what the Spirit's going to do and, like, how he draws people. Yeah. Um, and so on paper, you look at it, and it's like, man, what a rough year for the church. It's like, you know, nobody's going to be interested in the faith anymore. But in reality, if you look at the numbers, maybe that's not the case, you know? Yeah, what... Well, what was cool is I, I guess the first night went well. So mm-hmm. that, I mean, better than what they thought. And here's the <laughs> thing: let me just be completely and totally honest. No one knew who I was coming in. Yeah, like it wasn't like, hey, we're bringing in this guy. He's you know, nobody knew who I was. The pastor didn't know who I was. It's a new pastor. One of his staff members had heard me speak somewhere, so he took a complete and total like risk on like who, mm-hmm. who's this guy coming in. Um, and so I think they probably did a. a promotion of the mission but it wasn't like a hard promo you know of like hey this is going to be the greatest thing ever and he even admitted he's like i had no idea if this was going to be good you know (laughs) and uh and so i think i exceeded their expectations only because their expectations were really low (laughs) that's my sweet spot right i'm coming into a situation (laughs) we don't expect much out of you i can be better than horrible (laughs) (laughs) you know and uh and so uh i think the first night just went better than expected and and then what you saw is like just grassroots evangelization in a right. sense of like people told their neighbors, they shared it on Facebook, um, they talked to their friends at work, and like you should come to this. It's actually kind of good. Mm-hmm. And you saw kind of a, a groundswell, and that's really what sharing the gospel is mm-hmm. about. It, it it's it's relational. It happens on the ground. It happens in in relationships, and this is where you see the gospel working when actual just people begin to live it in their settings and invite people. And you see, you see, you know, like you're talking about the numbers, like that's how numbers grow. Like I can do Mm -hmm. the most creative Facebook post or the most creative this and social media is fine, but it doesn't nearly get the traction on if I go to you and I personally invite you and you know me and you trust me. Well, that's why the central activity of of the church, and by central I mean, let me rephrase that, the central activity for evangelization of the church is preaching. Right. I mean, the Mass is obviously the central action, the worship of God, offering the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to the Father for the salvation of the world is what we do, right? 
But as far as getting people to the Mass, getting people to that sacrifice, preaching for 2,000 years now is, is the central act because if we preach well, then people will evangelize. Like they will, on hearing the good preaching, will go out and say, you need to hear this guy, this lady, right? Um, we do have a lot of workshops today on how to evangelize, right? Like how to share your faith. Nothing wrong with these workshops. But if we had a serious investment in better preaching, I don't think we need to tell nearly as many people how to, how to evangelize or how to share their faith. Like it's, it's, when I hear a message that rocks my world, that makes me think about life in a different way, in other words, good preaching, I can't help but talk about it with people. Right. And, and then say, you need to hear it for yourself. Right, and that's why we talk about the joy of the gospel, right? Like, if you get excited about something, you're going to share it. So if, if I go to a new restaurant and it's like really good and it's fun and the food was great, I, I'm going to tell you about it. I'm just going to automatically tell you, have you gone mm-hmm. to this place? It's a new place. Why? My excitement. And then you're going to probably go because you trust me. We have a relationship and you're going to be like, yeah, I'm going to go check that out. Yeah. yeah I don't have to send you to a how to share uh, news about restaurants with people workshop. No, right? you, like- I don't have to go to a workshop <laughs> on that. And that's the thing is if if we got excited about our faith, we would talk to people about it. Um, and very simply, the church just has to make the gospel exciting, mm-hmm. real, mm-hmm. Uh, authentic. Uh, and, and I hate to see even even fun, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, somebody sent me this, this quote uh, um, because I have a tendency uh, to have a sense of humor. I share stories. What? But this is news to me. Uh, one of the things that uh, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, stray away from from the truth either. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, I'm I'm looking up the quote, but basically it said, you know, uh, if you want to tell someone the truth, uh, make them laugh first, mm. and then they'll they'll hear it. You mm-hmm. know, and I think just having a sense of authenticity, joy humor. Uh, there was a story about Mother Teresa visited Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, when uh, she was going to do a personal visit in a home and word got out that uh, she was going, people got excited. Mm-hmm. And when she got there, she couldn't even get inside the house. There were so many people gathered around this this home in this neighborhood. Yeah, it's Mother Teresa, but there was something people got excited about. I mean, she obviously had uh, faith and it, mm-hmm. you know, people wanted to hear what she had to say about the gospel, right? But I think we have Christ, we have the faith, we have the church. Like literally, like if we just were joyful about what we already have, we would just automatically. I don't need to go to a workshop. Uh, here's a quote. I love this. It says, "If you want to tell people the truth, uh, make them laugh." Uh, otherwise, they will kill you. You know, uh, <laughs> right? History has shown that to be to be true. Yeah, <laughs> history has shown that to be true. Well, what I love about that is that you know, good when we're sharing the gospel effectively as a church, we're preaching well by our lives and by our words. Like in Mother Teresa's case, it's different than being famous. And, you know, of course, the big buzzword is like Catholic famous. Like everyone wants to be Catholic famous, whatever. Fame and glory are two different things. You know, the Lord glorifies his servants. For example, Mother Teresa. She didn't 
seek a shred of glory in her life as far as being known. But the glory of God made her famous. She gave God the glory, and God was glorified in her life. Like our Blessed Mother prayed, you know, my soul magnifies the Lord, right? See, the great thing about Christian glory is that it's not about the Christian. It's about God. But God is glorified in the life of that Christian. How? Because if I preach well, I'm not sharing my message. I'm sharing his message. If I preach by my actions, I'm not living the way I think I should live. I'm living the way he's telling me to live. And so my words, my actions, my thoughts become not my own. And this is what Jesus himself says. I don't act on my own. I don't speak on my own. I do what the Father tells me to do, and I say what the Father tells me to say. There is no substitute for that. If we live that way as a church, we evangelize. If we don't, we die. And that's it. I mean, there's, n- there's no other way to express that reality than faithful discipleship spreads the church. Unfaithful discipleship kills the church. Right. And I think when we're, when we're just all in on our faith, we, we, we talk to people about it. Mm-hmm. You know, we share it. And, you know, I tell people all the time, I get in conversations with people, and I tell people that, um, you know, I don't have to have great theology to have a human conversation with mm-hmm. someone. You know, like some of the greatest theological questions I've ever asked people are, how are you? Mm-hmm. Tell me what's going on. How can I help you? Right? Anybody can ask that question. And then from there, uh, we can begin to go deeper and dive deeper in what their needs are and, and then share our faith with people. Uh, and the entry point into sharing the gospel is just being human, mm-hmm. right? Being ourselves, being human. And then sharing what we have, this treasure. This is why Jesus says, um, you know, if if you uh, find treasure on this on the land, go and sell everything you have and buy the plot of land, because the treasure is in there. Like that's what we have as Christians. We we have access to the treasure, and what Jesus is saying is, uh, buy that land. People might think you're crazy at first, but when they realize that you there was a treasure on there the whole time they're going to be like, I want what you have, right? Yeah. So I think the challenge to all of us is authenticity in following the living Christ in our life, especially if we're in ministry. I mean, like when you give a mission, you know you've given enough of these, you realize nothing to do with you. Zero. In fact, you know, just knowing you, I mean, the main goal that you have or anybody who knows what they're doing in these situations is to get out of the way. Right. Like the main goal is, Lord, you have a will here. I am an instrument of that will, but I need to get out of the way and let you do. And the more we can do that, then the more the church can be what it's supposed to be. And look, the church is not going to change every heart in the world before Jesus comes back. That's not going to happen. We're going to have the wheat and the weeds, right? But we can be a functional church. We can like, there's, there's no reason why we can't go out and preach the gospel well. But it, it takes an authenticity of, of, of following Christ and getting out of the way and letting him do his thing for every Lenten mission. You know, every time we have the opportunity to get out of the way and let Jesus do, we, sh- we need to do it. Yeah, I mean, shame on us if, if it's about us, you know. I think 
we learn from Christ what it's like to be a leader. In a sense, is he, he constantly is like, this is about my father. It's about my father's will. I'm about the father's business. It's, you know, like he, he deflected the fame, the glory, uh, and put it on the father, right? Like at the end of the day, um, when we, we, when we're never evangelizing people to us, mm-hmm. but to Christ, to the father, like you want to leave them with the treasure and you're not the treasure. Right. And so, um, you know, God can use us, but certainly if, if we're the, if, if we leave people with people thinking, oh, well, he or she was great and, you know, I can't be like them and man, they, they're really great. And I want to follow them (laughs) on Twitter and, you know, I'm a fan now we have, I think we've kind of failed Mm -hmm. instead of people saying, man, I left that knowing Jesus more. There was something unique about that. Yeah. Or I left that extremely angry and disturbed, which is what happened with Jesus, right? Like, let's remember, he did things, all, all things right, and he got killed within three years. I mean, Paul, if you set out to do your ministry, right? I mean, how long ago did you start? It would be like, yeah, it would be. <laughs> yeah. Jesus preached. It would be like him going to uh, Hollywood, man. Yeah. And preaching. You know, like places. Well, you started where... when you were, what, 20 years old? Doing yeah, this? Yeah. So you're 21 years in? Well, a little bit more than that. Okay. <laughs> a little bit more I mean, than so, that. So, so the way he did ministry got him killed in three years. I know, man. Three years. I know. God had him on a fast track. <laughs> <laughs> he needed him back up in heaven, man. So, you know, we the glory that we give God by our life there is an enemy to that glory and we have to we have to be okay with it we have to know it we have to own it like the problems we see in the church today they're not humanly invented i wonder if there if we would have more of a sense of urgency though in a sense of like there's no way to know if jesus knew his timeline right like we can't we can't really know if like how much was revealed to him about specific at, dates at, and everything at, yeah specific dates and specific times you know there's all these theological speculation on when he actually began to know who he fully was and mm-hmm. God's plan for him. And, and I love those conversations, but you know, I, you don't, we don't know if God said, dude, you got three years, right. but he, he knew that he didn't have forever. Uh, I, if we lived more with a sense of urgency, right. Mm-hmm. And just saying like today, like how does God want to use me today? Right. And be available to that. A conversation, an interaction, a, a a smile, joy today in my home, my family, with my neighbor, with my worker. Um, we had a sense of urgency, and I think a lot of times we don't have a sense of urgency because we think, "Oh, I'll do that later," or "I have a lot of time," or "I got my whole life." And the reality is, we don't. Right. You know. And I wonder if we would be more engaged, more joyful, uh, more interactive if we kind of thought, man, I only have three years. I only have three years to accomplish this. <laughs> Think of how hard you would work and how dedicated you would be if you knew you only had that. And I think sometimes uh, that should motivate us in our life to uh, do things now so that we don't regret them later. Right? All right. Yeah. We're going to be back. It's Paul and Adam talking all things Art of Living. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? 
Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George here in studio talking all things art of living. Great to be with you. Have my good friend Chris Faddis, Solidarity HealthShare on the line all the way from Phoenix, Arizona. Chris, what's going on, man? Hey, Paul. I'm doing good. Just uh, just waking up after a, a pretty uh, pretty emotional but moving movie that I watched last night. So. Yeah. Yeah, I want to bring that up because I saw that on, um, on Facebook, you know, uh, we keep we we talk, but I mean we're we're also friends, and I saw it in my, in my feed. But uh, I didn't realize now that uh, daylight savings time you're two hours different, um, and so it's a little bit earlier <clears throat> there in Phoenix. So thanks for getting up early, man. I know your kids get you up early anyway, but you actually have to talk. Oh yeah, they had me up like I mean it was like twelve hours ago. I think they woke me up, so it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. So <laughs> so I see this picture. Yeah. Like you're literally at like the premiere of the unplanned movie. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. I mean, it was our own local premiere. We it was, you know, unfortunately, it wasn't the Hollywood one, but uh, but we had one here. We filled we filled three theaters. There was another theater with another another group, um, in the same place. So it was actually yeah, it was really cool. We had you know about uh, I don't know what they say, 350 people total at that theater watching. Unplanned, which is the story of Abby Johnson, and um, I'm telling you, Paul, it, it it was such a powerful. I mean, it's 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 painful, but it's powerful, powerful movie. Yeah, I cannot wait to see this movie, um, and from from all different you know factors. One, uh, the message, obviously, the um, and her story. If you've ever read her book, Unplanned, but. You know, a lot of times when you see these movies come out, sometimes you're like, you know, the quality of the movie as far as like the film quality and acting is not real good. This looks phenomenal. Like the job that they did yeah. creating this movie. I mean, what was your take just from that end of things? Oh, my gosh. It's so well done. The acting is, is great. The writing is great. The, you know, just I mean, the, there's a. You know, there's some CGI and how they how they portray what Abby and if people don't know Abby Johnson's story, I mean I think you know we can talk about that, but they portray what she saw on the ultrasound when she was assisting this abortion and um, and they did a great job. I mean it was it, it's such a great job. It was hard to watch because you're you're literally watching this baby um, be sucked out of this mother's womb, you know, and and so um, but it's an important thing to watch because I think so many of us. So many of us and so many people who are maybe on the fence aren't really sure what's really going on, and, and it shows the truth, you know. So it's really well done. The acting's great. Ashley, the the uh, the actress that plays Abby, did an incredible job. Um, you know, I know Abby. I know her husband Doug. They're amazing people. Doug's just a really great man. Um, the actor who played him just did a great job playing his personality, and um, it's just it's really well done. It's a, it's great cinema. It's a great film. So. Um, you know, if it wasn't a if it wasn't a divided issue, this film would be one that everyone would be talking about. Um, and it's definitely something that everyone needs to be talking about. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we have to get the word out about it. Um, and, and not just because it's 
it's a good film, but the message is powerful. Uh, give us a little background on Abby Johnson. For those people who don't know her story and how it got to this point of a movie. Yeah, you know, Abby Johnson was a, was a, um, or is, <laughs> so she, she, um, sorry, she's still with us, so I don't want to say was, but, but Abby was a Planned Parenthood director. She was in college, you know, she grew up Christian, grew up pro-life, but was approached by some people at like a school, you know, fair type of thing. And they talked to her about Planned Parenthood and she said, yeah, of course, I think women deserve rights, even though my family's pro-life and but you guys do a lot more than that. So that's good. That's good. You know, she kind of rationalized it and she started out being a volunteer and ended up um, impressing the top brass and ended up moving up into a clinic director role. She ended up being the youngest clinic director for Planned Parenthood. And um, it was, was really excelling in her career at the same time. uh, You know, she had this Christian family, even her Christian husband who's, who really did not approve and they just loved her through it, you know? So it's just a really amazing story. Essentially, Abby was a, was asked to assist in an ultrasound, in, in an assisting in that ultrasound. She saw what really happened, and immediately left. But the beautiful part of this, many you know, many of your listeners are probably familiar with or even involved with Forty Days for Life, and those campaigns where a few times a year they you know they gather people and for forty days there's people praying outside of an abortion clinic. Um, Abby's conversion came through 40 days for life and through those people praying at the fence of their clinic. Um, and so when she went through that, she actually ran to the, the coalition for life, uh, in Bryan, Texas, she, she ran to their offices. They were the ones organizing the first 40 days for life at the time. And, uh, and she, she said, I'm done. I'm out. And they helped her, you know, wow. so it's just a powerful witness. Abby is now probably one of the strongest voices in the pro-life movement. Um, but you know, she's got a ministry now where she helps these women, these other abortion workers get out of the clinic. She's helped 500 abortion workers get out of that industry. Um, and, uh, you know, she's, she's doing God's work, you know, and what's amazing, Paul, I love it is, you know, they show this in the film. She had one, one child and it was kind of a big deal. Like, Oh, you're actually going to have a kid, right? She had one child. She now has, she's having her eighth child this, this spring. Wow. (laughs) So so I love it because her conversion has been so complete, you know, and she's so on board with everything now. And um, so the film really does a great job giving more of the backstory and, and uh, things that, you know, are in her book, but maybe people didn't quite capture, um, including one of the things I love about it is the way they portray her husband and the way he quietly loved her, even though he completely disagreed with her, her work, you know, um, but he loved her enough to still be in her life and to love her through that. And when she had that conversion, he said, I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> you know, like he, he had no doubt the Lord was going to change her heart, you know. Wow. Uh, yeah, she has a book out called Unplanned. If you haven't read the book, you can get it. But then, you know, they come out with a feature film. And uh, this movie's hitting, you know, and, and a lot of theaters are, are, are hosting it and local groups. And the more and more that people go and watch the film, the more and more theaters are going to want to host it because they're going to make money on it, right? Um, right. And so, you know, it's important for us that we get behind this movie so it stays in theaters. And then with the hopes that uh, people who maybe aren't pro-life and don't know, you know, uh, the truth would see the movie. You know, we can begin to, the longer it stays in theaters, the more and more we can invite people to see the film. And the film's actually really good from what I'm hearing from people and, and from you who just recently saw it firsthand in a premiere. It's an excellent film, right? Like just the film quality and and it gets 
it, it gets to you. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. I mean, it's really, it's one of those where you don't want to leave the theater. You know, you want to, you want to see the whole thing. Um, you know, and I think it's, it's important. One thing I would encourage people too, is that like we, you know, my wife and I saw it and then we were talking through all the people who we would love to get there. People who were on the fence or kind of, or they're completely on the other side of the life issues or they're the, like most of us grew up with, they're the mindset of, well, I'm pro, pro-life, but I don't have any right to give any, anyone else, tell them what to do. So ultimately that makes you pro-choice, right? So, um, you know, people like that, I think if they could see this film, if you can get those people to that film, uh, I even read an article last night from an atheist, or sorry, not an atheist, a pro, someone who considers himself a pro-choicer, whose friend, you know, re- convinced her to see the film. And she basically said, like, I'm, I'm on the fence now. Like, I, this is really, this has rocked me. And now I'm, she's, now she's validating everything to make sure it's all true, what she saw, but she said, I'm truly questioning what I've always believed. And I think everyone needs to see this because we need to know the truth that this is what it is, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's important and it's worth that conversation to get somebody to the film. Yeah. And the, you know, film and, and a good film and this story, which is true and authentic and you know, Abby and Doug, and you know, it's true and authentic has the ability to really evangelize the culture uh, and really change people's hearts and minds, you know, because the word conversion, meaning to rethink, to rethink what you believe and the possibility there could be a better truth, a deeper truth, a, a deeper revelation of, of truth to change your heart and your mind. And th- this is the power of what this film, so we need to share it. The cool thing is that you know them, and, uh, and particularly in the work that you guys are doing with Solidarity HealthShare, your paths have crossed because you know, with solidarity, you know, health sharing is, you're all about the Christian teaching and the, the Catholic approach to health care, right? Yeah, well, and you know what's awesome, Paul, is I, and you're a member of Solidarity, and I know a lot of your listeners are, um, Abby Johnson and her family, Abby and Doug, they're members of Solidarity Health Share. Oh, wow. Um, and it's, it's part of how we've really connected, and, uh, and she's a huge proponent of what we've done, of what we're doing, and, and of, of, in general, just just true, authentic, having worked for Planned Parenthood who tries to brand themselves as women's health care, you know, she's really about true, authentic women's health care. And one of the things that sold her on solidarity is what we do for women with fertility issues and, you know, in, in the, the fertility awareness-based methods like natural family planning and, you know, um, and how we help them and, and help people through those crises um, and give them true restorative health care for women that, that truly respects their bodies. Uh, so, so Abby is a huge proponent of that. It, it's a big part of why we, we know her, why we were connected, and why we wanted to support the film. It, you know, and I think um, ultimately that's right. Solid, like there's the pro-life movement. There's what we need to do to kind of hopefully affect change in laws and to provide pregnancy centers and, and, and medical centers that support women in need and crisis. You know, those kind of things we need to do. But there's also the aspect of our everyday healthcare decisions also affect life. Hmm. And, and in a lot of ways, the way we've done insurance in this country, we've helped to perpetuate this, this culture of death and these, these organizations that are promoting abortion and, and trying to, to, to erode our, um, our ethics, right? And so this, this is, for me, this is one of the main reasons why we do what we do and why we, we think people, especially who, who are on the same side of us, who we need to make this choice to step out of the insurance system go on a healthcare sharing ministry like Solidarity HealthShare so that we can truly uplift 
uh, culture of life and and live it in our daily healthcare decisions. Yeah, I'm talking to Chris Fattis uh, with Solidarity HealthShare, solidarityhealthshare.org. Um, and, you know, solidarity is, is much more, at least in my opinion, uh, is much more than just an organization that provides a health sharing, you know, community. Uh, you really uh, desire as an organization to help to evangelize the culture by, by who you are, your authenticity, by what you believe, by changing this culture of, of death to life, by, by, by really promoting the gospel of life. Um, and so you guys are more than a tool just of health sharing, but of really a tool of evangelization to the world. That, that, and that's absolutely our hope. I think that's what God, that's the mandate God's given us, you know, to use this, this platform and this opportunity in people's lives to evangelize and, and then to use the opportunity to evangelize others. And I, I said this to one of our members last night at our, at our screening, um, you know, how awesome is that, that we could put on the screening, first of all, and, and it didn't benefit solidarity. Right. We are, we were able as a ministry to underwrite that and it was able to benefit our local pregnancy center here in Tempe, Arizona, that happens to be right next door to a Planned Parenthood. Hmm. And, um, and so, by you know, I, we haven't tallied it, but I'm sure we raised somewhere around $5,000 last night that'll go to support them, you know? But how beautiful is that as, as somebody, so you as a member, and I think of this as me as a member, that I could say, hey, that's really cool. Like my healthcare dollars, the, the offput of that is helping to support something that I truly believe in, you know? Um, and so, you know, to be able to support that, to do that as an organization, and, and we're able to do that locally and, and nationally, and I think that's a, that's one of the gifts, um, you know, how we're reaching out. And then on top of that, we're evangelizing to our members, among our members, um, and, and hopefully them among their, their friends and family as well. And uh, it's, it's honestly one of the most unique platforms I could ever consider, but God has really blessed us in, in putting us in this position. Yeah, and I mean, that's what I love about it is that, uh, it is a great health sharing community, and you get uh, quote unquote health care that's really good and a staff that's really amazing. But the organization's got a bigger vision than that, and that's that's evangelizing, that's spreading the gospel, the gospel of life and hope to the world. And that's what we need in the church. It's what we all need to be doing. And you have a unique platform to do that. And one of the things I want our listeners to know is we all have a unique platform to share God's love with other people, you know, uh, and to build relationships with people. And I love how you guys do that. You know, this movie is going to be a unique way to invite people to hear the gospel in a new way. You know, it's kind of like when The Passion of the mm -hmm. Christ came out years ago. It was such a great film that people really had conversions or a reconversion uh, through that film. I think this film has that same quality and ability to help people to to rethink, uh, to to have a conversion around uh, this this whole idea of what it means to be pro life. Uh -huh. Yeah, I do. I, I truly do. I think Paul. You know, one of the things that, I, and you've probably seen this because we have a lot of the same. We're you know we're in the same age range, and I think it's a lot of people in our kind of uh, scope and younger, right? That that. So many people are a little bit burnt out on being pro-life, right? There's there's a lot of, of, of people that I know that are, I mean, it doesn't mean they've changed their opinion, but right. they're tired of talking about it or they, they feel like somehow it's it's missing the point or they don't like the kind of modern, the overall movement of pro-life movement, and so they've kind of just distanced themselves. And I think this is a wake-up movie hmm. for our generation. This is a reminder like, hey, whoa, like... <laughs> 
we got to wake up and we got to take this seriously. This is this is the human rights violation of our of our time, you know. Um, and, and 60 million babies gone. Chances are 50 percent of us in some way are directly affected by abortion. Right. And, and so you you and I and our friends and those people we know and everyone around us who who has maybe kind of just gone, well, yeah, I mean, I'm pro-life, but I don't I don't want to get involved in that. I don't want to go see that movie. I don't want to march. I don't want to be a part of 40 Days for Life. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to, you know, whatever. This is that wake-up moment. Uh, it is for my family. I mean, I think if, if what happened in New York at the end of, of 2018, where they passed the the uh, partial birth abortion bill, and, you know, they're, they're allowing birth, uh, sorry, they're allowing abortion all the way up to birth, you know, it, it, if that happened and didn't wake us up, <laughs> this movie will do it. Hmm. And this is the moment. This is it. You know, and I think there's, I talked to the, uh, one of the writers and producers, it's the, it's the writer and producer from, uh, from God is not dead, which is another popular faith-based film. And, and he said, you know, someone gave me Abby's book a few years ago and, and I loved it. I thought, yeah, this would be great film. But he said, it just wasn't the time. It just had this sense. It wasn't the time and the Lord would tell us when. And he said about two years ago, I saw the book again and I just thought about what was going on in our culture. And he said, the Lord made it very clear to me. Now is the time. This is the movie's moment. Hmm. And so he made the film. And so, and I truly believe if you think, if you look at everything going on politically around abortion right now, this is the moment for this film to truly change hearts. Amen. Dude, so great. So great. Dude, I know it's early over there. So thanks for taking the time. Um, people can, um, Find out more about Solidarity at SolidarityHealthShare.org and the movie we've been talking about, Unplanned Movie. Uh, you can look it up, and uh, you can find locations where it's showing in your area. Um, and, yeah, go see it because it's it's going to be – it is a good movie, uh, and I can't wait to see it. So thanks for cluing us in, man, giving us an early update on that thing, man. All right. God bless. I'm, I'm really excited to, to hear what people have to say about the film. So Yeah. Absolutely. All right, bro. Thanks so much. And uh, tell, the, tell the family I said, hey, all right, you too. Talk, bye. bye. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul and Adam here talking Art of Living. Great interview with Chris Faddis. Always good to always good chat with my main man from Phoenix, Arizona. He got some authenticity to him. Yeah, dude. He is who he is. I love it. And he, um, He's walked the walk. Super great. And Yeah, so I was thinking about that cheese challenge. <laughs> uh, and uh, I like cheese. Me too. Me I too. mean, I'm a cheese fan. And all my friends in Wisconsin would be proud of me for that. Give God the glory for cheese. Yeah. And I think I might, I, I, I would love to uh, do the cheese challenge to adults. Like just throw it in their face. Friends. Mm -hmm. Fun. But. Yeah. They yeah. might become enemies though, which is fine. But for fun. But here's the one thing not to do. We were talking in the first segment about sharing the gospel, being excited about our faith. 
the the one thing that I just technique that I don't think works is just throwing something in someone's face like, like cheese like cheese like without like gaining their attention and their their the their um ability to we all have freedom mm-hmm. right freedom to to listen freedom to choose freedom to say yes freedom to say no I mean God created us that way so one of the things I was talking about about the humor it, it's not about I'm not talking about making the gospel funny. I'm talking about using the technique of humor mm-hmm. to open people's minds and hearts up. So you can make someone laugh and then all of a sudden hit them with the truth and they're like, wait, what just happened? Mm-hmm. Right? Like the ability to be human and hu- use joy is is good. And, but one of the things that I just don't think works, like when I was in college, they always have these preachers that would come on the streets on the college campus and just yell at people and it just became a yell fest and i literally never saw that technique work it <laughs> never worked and i just i just don't think throwing the gospel the bible the faith in people's faces and just hitting them over the head really works you know and and to to your point about jesus and the first event, like he got killed yeah but his technique to speak truth is unbelievable. Like as mm-hmm. you read, and he's using parables and stories and analogies, and he's using and actions, actions yeah. and backdrops, and he's using props, mm-hmm. uh, and, and he's using locations, locations and, and mm-hmm. context from the Old Testament, and it, it's amazing. Like like his, like his ability to to bring the truth out. Uh, and and help people understand. So a lot of a lot of those things, you know, Jesus used himself. So right on. So you're saying don't make the gospel cheesy. <laughs> Is that what I'm hearing? That's real good. Speaking <laughs> of cheesy, we're gonna do a six pack of cheesy questions. Cheesy questions. Question. Question number one. Uh, so Paul, we talked about. Your Lenten mission you just did went really well, the effect of preaching, all these things. Um, tell me briefly the story of your worst failure as a preacher of the gospel to a group of people. Well, I've had a lot. <laughs> I want the uh, worst of the worst. <laughs> people are great. Like the, you know, like when you mess up, like they're they're sup- they're usually super good. Um, and the good thing is like when I started out, this is a lot of just speaking to kids, junior high, high school kids. And they're super forgiving, right? Mm-hmm. Where adults can be ruthless and mean. Oh yeah. Um, and and so you you kind of carve you know carve your teeth on on, <laughs> on early on. But uh, I I said some things, and uh, I'm trying to remember. Um, so one one of the things I one of the funniest things I ever said on accident. I don't know if I've ever shared this on the show. Maybe I'll get in trouble for it. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea, but. Uh, um, it's just when you mean to say something, something else comes out, right? And you're just like, I can't believe that I can't believe I said that. Mm-hmm. I, I can't believe I did that. So it was one of those you moments. Know? Yeah, and I did have um, a pair of pants rip on stage once. Nice. Yeah. Um, did you turn it into like a spiritual analogy or anything? Like, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit just just rips, rips a hole in all of our plans. <laughs> well, speaking of hole, <laughs> uh, one. One story was um, I was doing this. Uh, a, it was an adult youth ministers retreat, and uh, it was back in the day where 
you can finally we're you're able to get movie clips on DVD in your computer. There you had a DVD drive, and uh, a friend of mine he he was kind of hosting it, and he says, you know, I'm going to show movie clips, and then I want you to tie it in, but he wouldn't tell me what the movie clip was. <laughs> And uh, so I was going up to do the session, and he's uh, he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna show a movie clip. Just go up there and like tie it in, and it'll be fun, you know." Because he was just so excited about movie clips. So he shows this movie clip. What's well, it's the movie clip from Finding Nemo? There was a movie clip from the original Finding Nemo, and I'm like, "Oh, Finding Nemo!" And I'm what clip? So the clip comes up, and where Nemo's in the whale, and the whale blows Nemo out of the whale hole, right? <laughs> and and it's like you know he's back into the ocean he's he's released and i go up there and i'm like i'm it's one of the few times where i i'm pretty good on the spot Mm -hmm. i'm pretty good at like just pulling something out of the hat and then just moving on and being a little spontaneous and and witty and i i literally was like i so so the movie clipped in and i said i have no idea what this means but lord (laughs) uh we just pray that you will blow blow us out of your hole today (laughs) That's what I said, and what, and and I didn't really mean this. I didn't mean it to come out that way. Right, right, right. Like my what I meant to say was like, like, like move us forward. Like, mm-hmm. like you know, like whatever you did with Nemo, like you saved his life. Like you, <laughs> like I meant to say that something like that. And I said, uh, blow me, blow us out of your hole. And uh, everyone really lost it laughing. And it, and it, uh, but but the humor even on accident ended up being a good recovery. So. <laughs> Funny. All right, question number two. Um, who in your life has kind of, in your memory, stands out as an effective preacher or evangelizer because of their authenticity as, as a Christian? Like, who was kind of your first experience or witness to that that really, like, got you attracted to the faith? Um, yeah, there were, you know, there were some... Uh, people ahead of me there's some people I really didn't know who I thought man I, I can't believe they're effective and I'm going to say this in most of me like mother Angelica mm-hmm. who's a nun cloistered nun right mm-hmm. and her ability to spread the gospel like is like you see the fruits and you're like how mm-hmm. and I think of it as like well obviously prayer and then two her, she was just authentic like when you watch her videos you're like that is exactly like she's not trying to be anyone else but herself, and that's the beauty. Like authenticity speaks volumes. And f- from your first question, like even if you mess up, if you're authentic, people will love you and they'll forgive you about it. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were like some older like lay lay ministers when I was younger who I looked at who like they were really authentic. Um, they were normal, you know, and they were passionate about their faith, you know. Um, and I looked at that and thought, wow, like I have never seen that. One of the things that I didn't see growing up is I never really witnessed clergy that were passionate about their faith. Mm -hmm. Um, and it wasn't till later on in life where I began to meet clergy who were passionate about their faith and like, oh, there's priests too who are passionate about their faith or religious. And we need each other, mm-hmm. you know. We need each other to to share the gospel in the world. Yeah. All right. Question number three. So, 
we're talking about authenticity as a Christian and to be able to spread the gospel. How do you give yourself a little authenticity checkup? What would you recommend if I'm like, oh man, am I an authentic Christian? Am I a big fat phony? Like what? Right. <laughs> what um, what would be like a little checkup tool you would recommend? Like some things to ask yourself. Yeah, that's a great question. I and I don't know if authenticity can be taught. I think it's something we're always learning. I think it's a virtue though. Mm-hmm. Like it becomes a habit. But someone was sharing with me, and I'm, it's interesting you bring up the question because actually someone was sharing with me yesterday a time that they met someone who was in ministry who they felt like wasn't authentic. And what made them feel that the person wasn't authentic is that the person didn't give them the time of day. Mm -hmm. And I think always a good check for us is, are we willing just to stop and talk to someone? No matter if they know us or not, or they think we're big shot or not, or if we're the boss at work or not, like, could we just stop and ask someone how they're doing and really mean it? I think that's the best check. Like if someone's, you know, you know, a server, how are you? Like constantly checking, am I willing to just to like talk to someone and like really care? Man, as you say that, I remember one striking example. There was a priest that we all know and love. I won't mention his name though, but extremely busy. Like you all over the world type busy traveling all of these things, right? And I remember he was getting to something that I was hosting, he was speaking at, and he gets there when the sacristy is vesting, he says to me, so how was your day? Hmm. And I remember that. This was years ago. That won you over. This was years ago. But just that he, in that moment, which was probably between a thousand other moments for him that were very busy and intense, he asked me how my day was. And so I know that sounds like not a big thing, but he got out of himself and yep. looked at me, and it stands out in my memory. Yeah, And I think that's a great authenticity check is, am I willing to not be about me and mm-hmm. be about someone else right now? Um, and, yeah, I think, f- like, for me, like, I, I just try to do that more and more because it just gets me out of myself and mm-hmm. thinking that I'm anything important, which I'm not. Mm-hmm. But to be able to just to do that, I think that's a good a good question. Yeah. All right, question number four. In my experience, in my own life and working with people, insecurity about my faith seems to be a big deal as far as like my willingness to share it with others or to feel comfortable sharing with sharing it with others. So like I might have faith, I might believe in Jesus, I might, you know, know something of the Catholic faith, but I just feel insecure about it. Like as soon as I open my mouth, people will think I'm an idiot or I just don't know enough about my faith mm-hmm. to share it. So what would what advice would you have for someone who just feels insecure in those moments where they know they should be saying something or sharing about their faith? I think a lot of times we freak out on, am I saying the right thing or I don't know enough? And then we're like, well, I need to go read everything and study, and that's important. But the greatest, I think what speaks the greatest and has most weight is when we share our story, our testimony. This is what God's done in my life, and I want to tell you about it, you know? And uh, if people have questions about the faith, you can always go find those out. You can, you know, we, we have a lot of access to finding the right answer to the questions. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just getting over ourselves, right? And just saying, you know, God just used me. I'm going to talk to this person or they're asking me a question. And, you know, I'm, I'm, if, if I'm authentic and I say the wrong thing, they're not going to care. But if I'm, if, if I'm just trying to, like, be perfect, they're going to see right through that, Right. 
And so I think it's just not caring so much about doing it perfect, but just being human and sharing from your heart and your story and your testimony. And I think at the end of the day, that speaks volumes. Yeah. All right, question number five. We talked about preaching, and neither one of us uh, give homilies ever, right? Right. Or, like, preach at Mass. But at the same time, we've heard tons of them, mm-hmm. right? So for what it's worth, what would be your advice for those listeners who do preach, maybe priests or, or deacons or bishops that might be listening, um, on how to preach in those minutes of Mass well? How to use that time well? Well, prepare... Um, I would say it, you know, preaching something that it's a tool that you can, um, get better at. Mm -hmm. And I would say practice, practice off the pulpit, practice in your room, uh, as you prepare, then practice it. Um, so I would say prepare, practice and internalize. And what I mean by internalize is pray that you really believe the message because once you internalize that message, man, it's going to come off so authentic. You know, like butter on bread. Like this guy or this just believes what he's saying. And that goes over well. But I would say uh, you can get help in preaching. Like you can ask other people, what's good? How do I do this? How do I get better? And I think a lot of times we don't want to do that because we're too prideful. That could be me. That could be you. And that could be um, clergy. But Read books, watch people, ask people, take some some lessons on being a better preacher because it, it as it is actually something that you can be better at. So prepare, practice, and internalize. Man, that's some good tips. Yeah. All right. Question number six. Last one. So, and, and I didn't mean to knock workshops on evangelization; those are important. But what I'm saying is we we live in a church where we need to do all of the above. Like we need to talk about why we evangelize and the how to evangelize, like all of it, right? What would be your top do and don't for evangelization techniques? Like if I want to become a better evangelizer, better spreader of the gospel, mm-hmm. top do, top don't. Um, well, I think, you know, there's a lot of top do's, but I think a top do would be to build relationships with people before you just bang them over the head, mm-hmm. you know, because they're going to, people trust who they know, okay? And that can even be in speaking. In speaking, part of the humor thing we talked about, it's all about building relationship with the crowd so that when you do throw out a zinger, they're like, okay, like I can trust this person. So I think relationship and authenticity is really, really big when sharing the gospel. The top don't is just, I, I would say, just don't come out with guns blazing because people shut you down. They just turn you off. You might be saying something really good, but they've already tuned you out. That's the problem. And so you're wasting your breath. You'd rather say the same thing in a different way or at a different time and it come come across in a way that they actually hear it. So that's what I would say. Right on. Yeah. So anyway, great show. Appreciate it. Uh, you can get the show on iTunes, Google Play. Uh, visit discovertheartofliving.com. You can see all the things we're doing. Uh, and you can uh, share the show, and you can support the show uh, to keep us on air, keep us doing what we're doing. Uh, So thanks so much, Adam, and we'll be back next week. God bless.